I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health and fitness industry to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Hi, welcome to a bonus episode of the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host, and I want to bring you this bonus episode with a special person in the world of HR and also in diversity and inclusion and gender equality. I've got to know Teresa through a business accelerator program that we're both on, and I was really interested in the wealth of experience she's got in the HR area. Um, she's a strategic HR expert. She's operated at senior level throughout a variety of industries and sectors, including FTSE 250 companies. And she's also sits on the all-party parliamentary group for women in enterprise. She was appointed as one of the only 50 females to take on the role of the UK female entrepreneurship ambassador. And she's got a lot to say about HR. And the reason I wanted to speak to her and bring you this bonus episode is we're running an event on the 3rd of July in the City of London at Pinsent Mason's offices near Liverpool Street. And the event's going to be about 90 minutes and it's called Increasing Employee Retention and Engagement. What part does wellbeing play and why does it matter? So I wanted to get Theresa's viewpoint on wellbeing and is it important for corporates to think about what is the legal cost as well as the human cost of ignoring wellbeing and not prioritising it? So in essence, you know, why is this something if you're a business owner or a senior manager or executive or an entrepreneur, why is this something that you need to think about? Why is it a competitive advantage? Why is it the right thing to do to look after people and create that culture so you care about people? And to use Teresa's term, then they'll give you a discretionary extra effort. So I think there's a lot of reasons why wellbeing is important, but I wanted to get Teresa's HR perspective on it. So enjoy this episode. If you're interested in coming to our event, then I will post a link in the show notes to our event, and you can find it on Eventbrite. If you look for increasing employee retention and engagement on Eventbrite, you will find it. Tickets are free, but we expect to be oversubscribed. So please sign up only if you can make it, but we very much hope to see you there. Enjoy this episode with Teresa Barry of Jungle HR. Teresa, welcome to the show. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. How are you? Good, yeah, very well. And delighted to be with you today. Yeah, cool. Well, Teresa, we know each other through an accelerator, a business accelerator program that we're both on. And it struck me that we've got quite a lot in common in terms of, you know, the people we're talking to and the message we're giving them. Your background or your company is Jungle HR. So your background's always been in traditionally in the HR area. And I know you've moved now into women in leadership and empowering women and very much around diversity and inclusion, which I do want to talk about. But firstly, just give us a bit of a background on what it is that you do and, and how you've come to get where you are. Yeah, so thank you. So yeah, my background is corporate HR, worked with many large organisations, so FTSE 250, FTSE 100 companies at a senior HR level. So specialising in working with executive boards and leadership teams, typically during times of change. And as I say, done a lot of work around mergers, acquisitions, and really sort of driving change. So I know what it's like to work in a corporate environment. I know the challenges that they face, as I say, in terms of driving their businesses forward. But I've also experienced what it's like to be in that organization as an employee, as a woman working through and sort of looking for promotion along the way. So yeah, I've experienced kind of a number of things. And so yeah, so I set up my business in 2008. And eight jungle HR because it's a corporate jungle out there mm-hmm. and we too now work with exec boards and leadership teams during times of change so yeah so it was a great transition yeah. uh, moving from the corporate world into entrepreneurship yeah cool can you share with us any of the companies that you've worked with 
Yeah, so we've done a lot of work for Weetabix. So I was their coach and mentor for their group HR director when he joined the business for his first 100 days. And during that 100 days, I helped him to shape his people strategy. He's a brilliant ambassador for certainly sort of for gender diversity. And together, as I say, we shaped this strategy. So um, Stuart has fairly recently announced and shared his people strategy um, at the CIPD conference on gender pay. And I was really thrilled to see that they've closed the gender pay gap. So yeah. um, that's just one example of work that we've done. I led on the acquisition of the Glen Eagles Hotel for all of their people side of things. So those are two kind of really quite significant projects that we've worked on. Yeah, fantastic. And one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about then as an expert in this area is something that my company Body Shot are are all about really now, and that's well-being at work. Yeah. What is that phrase that's kind of much bandied around? But what does that really mean to you? Oh, it's so important in the sort of corporate environment. So um, I've done a lot of work with organisations that are Sunday Times Top 100 organisations and wellness is absolutely top of their agenda. Yeah, interesting. So making sure that people come to work, that they are fit, they're healthy, they've got the right environment for them to be able to thrive is really, really critical. So Mm. it's no longer sort of a buzzword. It's an absolute essential ingredient for any organization to operate effectively yep i absolutely agree there's a quote that i use a lot which is from ariana huffington who obviously used to have the huffington post a business she sold a few years ago after her own collapse and burnout she decided enough was enough she wanted to get away from the corporate machoism particularly around sleep yeah and she set up thrive global which you'll know is a company which promotes sleep and tries to remove the kind of the stigma around sleep in the working world I contribute to that platform, actually. It's a brilliant movement that she's founded there. Her quote is, this is a tough economy. Stress reduction and mindfulness don't just make us happier and healthier. They have a proven competitive advantage for any business. And I think that is absolutely the case. I think any company that wants to attract and retain talent, that wants to to prioritise well-being within the workplace, to really look after their people and ultimately increase productivity and therefore the bottom line. I think the days of attracting people through corner offices and cars and huge salary packages are probably gone. And it's more around from the very sort of bottom of the scale. You know, what happens when my cat goes to the vet? You know, I have to, do I have to take a half day holiday? Can I come into work according to my chronotype rather than the hours that, that business dictates, which is nine yeah. to six in an ideal world? Could I come 10 to seven? Because actually I'm not a morning person. You're really not getting the best out of me. All the way through to flexible working patterns, gyms on site, giving people access to natural light, lots of space, maybe bringing in some biophilia, which is nature inside. All that kind of stuff I think is going to be paramount. Have you seen any businesses, you know, whether you can name them or not, that are doing it really well? Or is there any best practice that you can share? Yeah, I have. So again, a lot of the things that you describe, I think organisations are now definitely tuning into. So, you know, again, sort of wellness areas where people can go and step away from their desk and take sort of time out, you know, just really to have meetings in a different environment is really important. Flexible working, again, is important to make sure that, you know, individuals are focusing on outputs as opposed to presenteeism. Yeah, brilliant. There's a real difference between that and interestingly we have an a to z of diversity guide and that's one of the the kind of the focus areas for for that in there we're we're sort of you know supporting and endorsing what you're saying really yeah sorry to interrupt you presenteeism what do you mean by that let's just define it 
Yeah, so presenteeism for me is exactly as you described before. You know, the office hours are nine till six and you have to be there regardless Mm. as to whether it's the best working pattern for you as an individual, whether it suits your lifestyle. Typically, leaders sort of work longer and harder anyway for fear that they have to produce the outputs. And often individuals, you know, they commute a long way, they travel a long way. And yet if they were able to work from home, for example, they would be far more productive and be able to sort of deliver those really, really great Mm. outputs rather than, as I say, having to, you know, endure commutes on the tube or, you know, all of those other things. So, yeah, we very much advocate it's about the results as opposed to presenteeism. So, you know, you don't physically have to be in an office. And of course, technology allows all of those things to be possible. So it's just the culture within the organisation that needs to be bold enough and brave enough to be able to accept those things. And I think once organisations do, they really do see the benefits from their workforce. Yeah. What benefits do they see? Well, they will see. So there's a huge increase in trust. So, you know, when you work for an organization and they really feel that they trust you because they know that you deliver, etc., then employees will give increased discretionary effort. Mm. They'll go the extra mile. They'll want to do those things because it feels pleasant for them as opposed to forced for them. You know, they're happy. They're engaged in their job. So wellness and engagement definitely go hand in hand. Yeah. I think it's all part of creating a culture where people want to be there. Yeah. I mean, work life has become a blend. It's never been a balance, in my opinion. I don't know about you, but I've never met anyone who said balance. Yeah, it's there for me. Apologies if you're listening to this, but I'm doing a rough kind of skewed scales gesture. I've never heard anyone say that. I mean, as an entrepreneur, my life is very blended. So I don't work a classic day and I can't imagine ever going back to doing so. I'll blend in. I've just come back from a nice dog walk because there's a group of dogs that meet at nine o'clock. So I'll try and work around that. And I might work a bit at the weekends as well. But I think the work blending into life has definitely happened for the workforce in general. Life blending in with work maybe a little bit. So people have got more autonomy to blend their hours. As you say, it's about the output. Yeah. But also in terms of bringing yourself to work, you know, bringing your best self, sure. But perhaps feeling that you can come in and say, actually, I'm not so great. You know, what support can I get here? I appreciate an employer doesn't want somebody bringing their full bucket load of baggage in. That that obviously wouldn't be appropriate. But really what I'm saying is not feeling I've got to, you know, dose myself up and get in anyway and not talk about what's going on for me and just plough on through, push on through, power on through, all these expressions that we, we like to trot out. And ultimately, that leads people on the road to burnout. So I think being able to blend mm-hmm. and, and trust us is certainly a huge one. And I love that expression, dis- discretionary effort. Just wanting to create a culture where employees are valued, engaged and ultimately retained. I mean, there's going to be a huge bottom line advantage for businesses doing this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think organisations that don't provide that, then employees will look to move to different organisations mm. without a shadow of a doubt. You know, there's already a talent shortage And I think employees will definitely be in that driving seat as to where they go and which organisations that is attractive to them. So, yeah, well-being, flexible working, all of those things will definitely be up there on their agenda when when they are looking for the right employee to go and work for. Yeah. So there's a client that I'm working with on a coaching capacity and she works for a new business. They're actually going to be a bank. I won't name them, but she said that their uh, entrepreneurial leader believes that actually they could get done what they need to get done in four, four and a half days. Not crazy days either. So he encourages them to take Friday as a day to bond with each other. 
So I don't know exactly what that means, whether they go and play ping pong for an hour or something, but but it's a chill day. Yeah. What work still gets done, but it's also about like connecting with each other and and I think what he's building there is this most incredible culture built around team, yes. about enjoying themselves, about being able to connect with each other, support each other. And I'd be really interested to see where that business goes as it grows. I think that's a, mm. a great approach. It is. And it's great to do that as an organization. If it's a startup, it's really, really Mm. great to set that tone. Because unfortunately, what typically tends to happen is with the best intentions, organizations create all of these great opportunities, but then they're very focused on driving KPIs and meeting objectives and, you know, financial Mm. targets. And Mm. sadly, sometimes those things go out the window. So yeah, it is really important, as I say, not only to, to sort of set the right tone, but also you know, to ensure that there's some governance around it. So is everybody doing it? Who's holding who accountable when it isn't happening? Mm. And also about celebrating that success is. So, you know, when you see it working really, really well, let's harness those, let's embrace those, let's celebrate them, let's kind of show others the brilliant things that are happening and others will want to join part of that kind of movement most definitely. Yeah, I think so. You've already mentioned the Times 100 list. So I work with a company that's on the Times 100 list specifically for wellness. Yeah. Their main driver is well-being obviously they want to be known for that they've won two awards for that now absenteeism is another one of their drivers I just want to touch on millennials it's a a much abused term and I don't want to start getting into sort of pigeonholing them because I, I don't really agree with that but nonetheless that's the generation that's coming into the workplace now how much do you think that's steering businesses decision that they need to start or some businesses decisions that they need to start promoting well-being and changing what they do to attract people Yeah, I think it's a huge driver. So, you know, we absolutely have to ensure that organisations are set for success. And as well as supporting their current workforce, they will most definitely have to tune into what the millennials will need in order for them to be kind of the the next generation of the workforce. Mm. So those that kind of, as they continue to have the traditional working environments and the working patterns and, you know, the ways of working, they just won't attract the talent because as I say, our millennials, they will be very dominant and they will most definitely want, as I say, the flexible working, you know, they're, they're kind of, I'm going to say the gig economy, you know, everything is technology based. They just don't see the need to be attached to a desk mm. when, as I say, you know, their, their life can be so much more portable. We've also got the environmental issues as to think about as well. So, you know, to reduce traveling will obviously kind of cut down on, on pollution, for example, and then that links to to well-being so yeah they definitely are going to drive where we go in the future and what's needed in our you know economic environment yeah you talked a bit about governance there isn't a lot of governance around well-being and wellness in the workplace it's very much and I know this because I've had lots of conversations with business and you'd be perhaps not surprised how many say they want to be known as the best in their industry to work for and they want to prioritise this and in, in creating a culture of an engagement and retention for employees is paramount to them and then you table a sort of a few thousand pound proposal and there's much sucking of teeth and yeah. oh well maybe we'll do this next year and, and it's astonishing really. So there isn't a lot of governments, it's really down to businesses to make that move. Is that something that you're seeing as well or do you think 
Yes, we are. Um, so I guess if I sort of almost draw a parallel to that in terms of the diversity work that we're doing. So organisations for years have seen or and know that there is real benefit in having a diverse workforce, but it's never been top of the leadership agenda. It's always been something, as you say, that it's almost like tokenism. And clearly it takes the real spotlight to be shone upon these initiatives for them to surface to the top of the leadership agenda. What we we do know obviously in terms of the recent gender pay reporting for example is it's most definitely focused the minds of executive boards to ensure that that is a topic that is top now of their of their leadership agenda and the annual reporting will make it so and I think what we need to happen is for well-being to form part of that sort of cultural strategy mm. for organizations to recognize the importance of having a workforce that is absolutely fit and healthy to deliver that and I think you know there there are initiatives that are taking place that do drive that to the top of the agenda, you know, and there are also kind of some health and safety legislations that, that cover that as well. So I think there is work to do, but there's still much, much further that needs to go. But you're right, at the moment for some organisations, sadly, it is still tokenism mm. and they're just not getting the benefits of, you know, a well workforce brings to them. Yeah. Now, there are some really crazy statistics on the Mind website around instances of stress going up, reported stress in the workplace. Yeah. What are the legal implications for a business? Let's look purely at liability and risk and therefore cost to a business of not putting something in place to help people when they're not feeling great or to prevent them from getting to that state in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, you talked about kind of sickness absence, you know, so that's obviously going to sort of rise. So the, clearly there's a direct cost to the business, you know, mm. in terms of number of absenteeism days, regardless as to the size of the business, you know. And then, of course, if you have absenteeism, that then puts pressure on the additional workplace. Yeah. You've then got, you know, individuals potentially making claims, employment tribunal claims, which are now sort of, I'm going to say, easier to bring because, of course, they've removed the, intro, the employment tribunal fee as right. well which had previously been imposed. So again, they've definitely seen a marked increase of people bringing employment tribunal claims um, as a result of that removal. So again, you know, if there is poor employment practices that is wrapped around wellnesses, then you can well see, you know, an increase in, in those claims. And where they are at extreme cases of uh, negligence, for want of a better word, then, of course, you know, you can be fined under the health and safety kind of regulations, which can include, you know, as far as sort of manslaughter, etc. So, wow. you know... There's some, yeah, yes, those are obviously kind of very extreme. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. There's some really hefty laws that do sit behind wellness. And, you know, and again, kind of typically wellness can be linked with, you know, discrimination in the workplace, for example, or victimization, because if people don't feel that they're in the right environment, that things are happening to them, then they can go down that route. So as I say, it's, it's quite encompassing and there are a lot of legislation that's, that is wrapped around it. So mm. if you get it right, it's brilliant but if you do get it wrong then unfortunately it can be quite costly yeah yeah absolutely talk to us a bit about what you're doing now then around diversity and inclusion yeah, so it's something that I'm really passionate about. I have been, as I say, for a number of years, having endured and experienced, as I say, the corporate world myself. So when organisations do it well, it's brilliant. When they do it badly, I've been on the receiving end of that, and that can be quite uh, challenging as well. So what we're doing at the moment is we've launched a new division, which is Jungle Diversity, and it really focuses around helping organisations to look at their culture, so to 
ensure that diversity is approached as a holistic solution. So it's not a tick box exercise. You know, it's not just a let's kind of sheep dip everybody on unconscious bias training. You know, this is taking a look at their organization holistically to ensure that they have the right environment for their workforce to thrive and, and grow. Mm. We definitely need to see an increase of women presence in leadership roles. But again, we have to create the right environment for them. And so there's definitely going to be something around an education piece for the entire workforce. There needs to be something around inclusive leadership in terms of development. There also needs to be some male advocate programs as well. Mm. So we need those strong male role models that recognize and value that the strengths that women bring mm. to the working environment, as well as, of course, providing um, specific training to assist women to step into their brilliance yeah. and enable them to really kind of grow and flourish. So yeah, it's a really exciting time for us. Mm. Uh, my book, Closing the Gap, How to Build Diversity and Weave Diversity into Your Organization should be out in the summer. Brilliant. And it's based on our tribe methodology, which will guide organizations through this blueprint. So yeah, cool. it's really exciting. Yeah, it sounds like congrats on the book. What's tribe stand for? So TRIBE, I can show you. Um, so TRIBE stands for Take Stock. So make sure that organisations really kind of tune into who they are, what they are, and what their culture is really sort of all about. Um, R stands for Raise Awareness. So it's really important that organisations and their employees recognise and value what the strengths that diversity can bring. So building a real strong campaign, looking at communication strategies so that everybody's brought into um, that journey along the way. Hmm. I stands for inspire and involve. So we absolutely need to have role models. And as I say, these are role models at every single level of the organisation. So make sure everybody's involved in the journey, but we need to have some kind of really inspirational role models along the way, but also kind of achievable role models. So I'm not talking necessarily celebrities, they're great, but these are kind of ordinary people that are just doing amazing things yeah. that we feel kind of really inspired by. Yeah, brilliant. B is built for the future. So you talked about millennials and it is about, is an organisation building their capability for the future? Have they set the right environment? Are they going to be inclusive? Are they taking people with them? Are they going to be attractive? Because I say, if they're not, then clearly it will be a problem for them in terms of attracting and retaining talent. And finally, E stands for embed. So it's about how do you make make these things part of the organization's DNA, regardless as to who the leadership is at the top. You know, you do need to have a champion, but if they were to move on to new exciting job roles, then it doesn't mean that this kind of diversity thing just disappears, is actually part of, as I say, the DNA. So yeah, that's what Tribe stands for. We're really excited by it. Yeah, definitely. What kind of businesses are you aiming this at? So this will be aimed at sort of larger corporations. So those organizations that have most definitely got 250 employees and more. Mm. So those that will have reported on their gender pay fairly recently. For some of them, it may have been an uncomfortable truth. Mm. But what's really, really interesting is that they now will have to create an action plan and take steps to close that gap. So this kind of book and methodology and our accelerator programs is just perfect for them because in six months' time, 
kind of when the books launched in September, they will have to report on their data again. As I say, it may have been an uncomfortable truth year one. It will be an ugly truth in year two if yeah. they still have made a no surprise and haven't closed their gaps. Yeah. So as I say, with our work, we're really hoping that we can make a difference. We know it worked. It worked for Weetabix. This was the methodology that we applied when we helped them to create their people strategy. So it's tried and tested and it really will work. Yeah, fantastic. Your website is junglehr.com, I believe. Yeah. We'll publish that in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that you want to, any other links that are useful for people to, to have? We've also got our sort of diversity website. So that too is www.junglediversity.com. Okay. So, you know, information on our programs will be featured on both of those sites. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Well, also, so we'll link to junglehr.com, junglediversity.com in the show notes. Teresa, thanks very much. My pleasure. Good luck. I think you're doing amazing work. We need more well-being, definitely. Oh, we need more <laughs> diversity as well. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com and click on take the test. And it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.